May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. So, my first sermon at Methodist Central Hall, Westminster. As I said at my welcome service, it is a joy and a privilege to be here, and only a little bit scary. I am now at the beginning of week three. I'm very proud of myself and quite surprised because I have not yet gotten lost. Uh, And there are two reasons for this. Firstly, City Mapper. I don't know if you know City Mapper. It's an app that you have on your phone that directs you all around London. It gives you all the different transport options. It tells you exactly what bus stop you need to get on. It is wonderful. I feel that I need to say in a very BBC kind of a way, other apps are available, but it has been fab. And the second reason that I haven't gotten lost is that I have not gone wandering around this huge building. I've counted up, and I think I know how to get to six places here. Don't ask me where the John Tudor room is or the Donald English room. I haven't got a clue. I can get to my office, and I can get to the cafe. So those are the important things. But even with City Mapper and my lack of curiosity as yet, it is something of a miracle, I think, that I haven't been lost. I have an awful sense of direction. Truly, it is terrible. I can walk out of a shop and turn the wrong direction than I was going in when I walked in. I don't know how that's possible, but I do it. And do not ask me to point north from here because I couldn't tell you. I realize that the river should help me with that, but somehow or other, I still can't work it out. I never, though, got lost when driving because I always had a sat-nav in my car. Ever since I passed my driving test, my dad bought it for me. I'm not sure what he was trying to say, but it was very helpful. Tom Tom always put me back on track when I went wrong. The phrase is, please make a U-turn, and recalculating are phrases I am very familiar with. So I never went wrong when driving, or if I did, I was very soon put back on the right track. Our journeys of faith, however, aren't always so easy to navigate. We can all get lost in our relationships with God. And today's gospel reading is about just that. In it, Jesus tells two parables about lost things. And we'll get to them in a moment. But firstly, who was Jesus speaking to? Luke tells us that he was teaching tax collectors and sinners, but that the Pharisees and teachers of the law are listening in. And we know, too, that there were disciples present because we have the account in our Gospels. And presumably, there are onlookers, too. A bit curious about this Jesus and the strange people that he attracts. Luke tells us that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are muttering. I love that phrase, they're muttering. And these leaders and scholars are not at all happy that Jesus is choosing to spend his time in the company of these sinners. Perhaps they assume that Jesus is condoning their behavior, 
the things that they've done that have caused harm to themselves and others. That by his presence with them, Jesus is setting an example that they are good people. The people that Jesus is spending time with here aren't the outcasts of society, the poor or the hurt that need love and compassion. The people that Jesus are with in this encounter are people that, because of their actions and their choices, have hurt others. I wonder who the equivalent might be today. Arms dealers, perhaps? Loan sharks? Tax avoiders? I'm not even going to venture into the realm of politics and politicians. No wonder the Pharisees aren't happy. These are not people that are going to reflect well on their community. So why does Jesus spend his time in their company? Well, he tells a set of two, well, actually three parables to help those around him to understand. The first two that we're going to reflect on today are about lost things. The third, which is not included in our lectionary for this morning, is about a lost son, or perhaps more accurately, two lost sons. But that's the sermon for another day. To turn to our parables for this morning. Firstly, the lost sheep. It's a well-known parable, I'm sure that you all know it. The poor sheep has wandered off. Maybe it saw a particularly tasty patch of grass just over the hill. Maybe it was daydreaming and didn't keep up with the flock. Maybe it had an argument with one of the other sheep and stormed off. Maybe, okay, I'm getting a little bit carried away personifying this sheep. I could write a whole backstory for it. I think I'd call him Larry. But don't worry, I haven't. The point is, the sheep was lost. And when the owner of the sheep discovered the loss, he was beside himself. He searched and he searched until he found it. And when he did, he picked it up and carried it home. And then he called all of his friends and neighbors and had a celebration. When you stop to think about it, it's actually quite an odd story. He's done quite a strange thing, really. He's left all his 99 other sheep with what can only be described as pretty poor shepherds. After all, they've already lost one sheep incompetent by anybody's standards. Sounds like a pretty foolish thing to have done to me. He could, after all, come home celebrating with his one found sheep, only to find he's got 99 missing sheep he needs to go and find. But in 1 Corinthians 3 we read, if any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Or as the message puts it, be God's fool. That's the path to true wisdom. Jesus is saying something here about the way in which God cares for us and seeks us. It is foolish for the man to put himself in danger, to risk losing all his other sheep, to go and search for this one missing sheep. It is a poor resource decision. I think the term acceptable losses would apply in business, but not to God. There are no acceptable losses to God. Each and every person 
is worth going above and beyond what is expected or reasonable. It doesn't make sense. At least when we look at it with our own eyes and with the world's understanding, it doesn't. Instead, we need to try and see as God sees. That is part of the challenge of this reading, to step into the foolishness of God, to see the crucial 1% that are missing, to search for them, to find them and then to celebrate together, rejoicing that another part of the body of Christ has been restored. And so then we come to the woman. She has 10 silver pieces. Somehow she manages to lose one. Now in this parable, the coin hasn't gone wandering off, of course. It would be difficult for me to write a backstory for a coin. But same as the sheep, the coin is somehow lost. And so once again, a frantic search begins. Every corner of the house is swept. On hands and knees, she reaches into every corner and crevice until at last what has been lost is restored. The coin is found. And again, as with the sheep, there is a celebration. There is, though, a step missing in each of these parables. It's there. It's an obvious thing, really. But how did the sheep owner know that he was missing a sheep? How did the woman know that she was missing a coin? They must have counted them. One out of ten coins isn't hard to miss. And I'm sure that you are all very careful and prudent folk and keep a close eye on your personal finances. But whether we're good accountants or not, we would all notice if one-tenth of our wealth went missing. So the parable could have had the beginning. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins. One day she is counting them and notices one is missing. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Counting sheep, though, is, I imagine, a little bit more difficult than counting coins. I've never had to try and count a flock of sheep, but I was a school teacher and tried to count children when you're coming back from a school trip. And let me tell you, as soon as you turn your back, one of them has wandered off somewhere. I'm sure any school teachers here can relate. So I imagine counting sheep is a little bit like that, wandering away all over the place. So what shepherds do is they count them into the sheepfold to make sure they've got them all. So this parable could have had the beginning. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep, and on counting them into the sheepfold, discovers one is lost. The point that I'm trying to make is this. Every one matters and is counted. Two chapters earlier in Luke's Gospel, Jesus has declared, indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now, if Tony were here, I would make a joke about that taking longer for some of us than others, but as he isn't, I won't. We are all counted by God. We all count to God. We aren't counted in an impersonal numbers on a spreadsheet kind of a way, but each one of us counts. We matter to God. I think that is just amazing. We matter to God. 
So when we get lost, whether we somehow have wandered from the path, if we've been distracted by something seemingly exciting, if we feel that we've been left behind or had fallings out with others, if we somehow or other in a way that we can't explain just feel lost, then the assurance that we have in this parable is that God knows. He has counted. He is searching for us. And when we are found, there will be a great celebration. In both the parables, when the sheep and the coin are found, friends and neighbours are called to come and join in this celebrating. So being found by God leads to inclusion in community. And our rejoicing with each other is a reflection of the rejoicing in heaven. Our community should be a place of joy and celebration as a marker of the presence of the kingdom of God. I have been told that I laugh too much. I don't know if Martin might think that down the corridor as he hears me laughing away. But I don't understand that. For me, part of discipleship is about finding joy. Of course, there are times when it is appropriate and right to be sad and to grieve. And when we are like that, God grieves with us. And there are times when we just can't find joy. And God is with us then too. And we need to be there for each other. But I think there's something in Jesus contrasting the muttering and grumbling of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law with the celebrating and joy in these parables. There is something that we can learn about what the kingdom of God is like in that reflection. No one is outside of God's love. That is why Jesus was spending time with sinners and tax collectors. Jesus was trying to explain to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these are the crucial 1%. Later in Luke, Jesus says, I came to seek and save the lost. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law didn't understand why Jesus was spending time with those sinners. And in telling these two parables, Jesus was explaining that God's message of love and forgiveness is for everyone. There is a challenge here for us today. Who are the crucial 1% that we need to be seeking out? Who are the lost in today's society? This isn't a nice story for us to listen to and then go home and do nothing about. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to us in our discipleship. If we are only spending time with people we like, with people that are like us, then we're not following the example that Jesus set before us. There are questions for us as individuals, but also questions for us as a community of believers. In what ways are we holding each other to account? Ensuring that each person knows that they count to us and to God. Are we providing opportunities to step outside of our comfort zones and to speak and live out our faith? Are we recognizing and encouraging each other 
when this is happening. We are called as a community and as individuals to live by the example of Jesus. And so to end where we began, there are four groups of people listening to Jesus tell these stories, to grumbling and muttering Pharisees and teachers of the law, the sinners, the onlookers, and the disciples. Wherever you are today, if you find yourself in the midst of community, but grumbling and unhappy, then I encourage you to celebrate, to be joyous, and to know that you count to God. Try to find joy in celebrating with others. If you feel lost, and you don't know how to find your way home, then know that God is seeking you, that you count to God, that Jesus came to seek and to save you. If you are here this morning, but feel like you're on the edge, looking on, curious but not quite sure where you fit in, then I encourage you to take one step. As usual, at the end of the service this morning, this afternoon, there will be people here ready to pray. Why not come forward and ask for prayer, seeking a deeper, deeper relationship with God? And if you're here and you know that you've been found by God, if you know that you are part of God's family, then follow Jesus' example. Seek out and share the good news with those that are still lost. Go and find the 1%. Amen. So let's sing our response to the amazing truth that we have been found by God as we sing, When I was lost, you came and rescued me.